This podcast is brought to you by PureMTGO.com. Go over there for all of your standard commander and awesome legacy articles. They're really a great bunch of people. You should definitely go over and see who's writing really cool stuff. Not that it's me. I swear it's not me. Okay, yeah, it's me. Go and have a look at my articles. Welcome to Commander Crunch. I am one of your hosts, Cheshire. Uh, am, am I using Cheshire for this or am I using Al or Albert? You know what? I'm just Cheshire. It doesn't matter. And I'm here with uh, Sam because Sam doesn't have a nickname. No, not yet. I was trying to figure that out today, but um, let's just run with Sam at the moment. But uh, yeah, this is just something <laughs> we've had in the tank for a little while and really excited to finally be um, just kind of putting it to waveforms and, and talking about what we love. But uh, yeah, welcome to Commander Crunch, the nutritious serving of tasty Commander treats that we uh, we intend to bring to your uh, breakfast bowl on the regular. I was going to say that we could serve it to them on the regular. Serve? Yeah, serve's fine. I mean- It's like bit, butter. Little- it's like butter. Yeah, exactly. Hard to do these <laughs> days. I mean, much like our favorite, um, uh, you know, game and, uh, and and format that we we can't really do physically as such in these these kind of weird times. But um, what what better way to do it and live vicariously through our memories of it all and kind of what we have been doing to cope? So um, you know, getting our magic fix well, and everything. Fair, I, I I am doing it physically on the regular through the interwebs. So <laughs> yeah, no, it's way to go, and, That's and, and not exactly a true statement. On my side, it's physical. Plug for uh, Cheshire plays games on on YouTube, Twitter, <laughs> everywhere else. So, um, you know, I mean, that's that's where I got to is uh, what I was thinking about before too. It's like, do I start calling? I just call you Chesh anyway. You know, it's yeah, you must just you call can't whatever. you dubbed yourself that long ago. Everyone just calls me Chesh anyway. Exactly, like, it's a way to just yeah. distance your uh, your home life from um, or your your your. Alter ego, uh, outside, ego outside of work. exactly and, the same. <laughs> unless you legally change your name, it has it on your um, your your driver's you, license you and everything. I almost, <laughs> I almost changed it to Voightstar at one stage. Say it again. Voightstar. Amazing. Yep. Yep. Reasons? That was my band name back in the day. Oh, literally, and just change your name just, to it. Yeah. Oh, gold. And I, 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 I was going to do it via Deepol, and I was just like, maybe I'll just keep Albert for now because <laughs> for some reason. It's one of those like and freedoms we can do in society. It's like, yeah, I can do it. Is it a good idea? I'm not too sure. Uh, we, <laughs> we're going to go with singular. Sure. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so, so, yeah, yeah. You- <laughs> Throw it away, so, I'll go for it. Yeah, well, just called look, you Al. I wanted to see look. how that went, how that how that that see, fit and, and tried on it just for size. Didn't feel right. No, it, it doesn't. Al feels. Just, yeah, I've called you that once or twice, but right. strange. It's like the first time I tried to dance. Just dance yeah, in general. Just, yeah, pretty much. So the first and last just time. Just <laughs> I have a different relationship get, with dancing. I love it. It's it's great, but I I, um, get drunk. I usually look like I a wacky waving inflatable and I'm playing Jew man. Well, that's the thing with a lead singer. Like, you, all you need to do is stand up the front and sing into a microphone and sway a little bit and just be drunk and people think you're dancing anyway. I was so. going to say, asterisk footnote, if you are on a stage, that is, is completely different and that you can almost do anything you want barring the music serviceable and people go, that's actually pretty cool. So, it's 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 something that's a dynamic I've always noticed that you can, you know, 
uh, you'd be you pretty much can. Some people feel <laughs> self uh, subconscious on um, uh, or self conscious on a stage, but it's you know, truth be told, everyone in the crowd mostly thinks you're pretty darn cool. Yeah, just yeah. I mean, that's waffle around, do like, whatever you want. To, I used to have a couple of shots before I went up, so that that killed those nerves. <laughs> anyway, so um, that's enough about non magic stuff. Uh, <laughs> how, how do you want to get into the uh, the nutritional information? Um, you know the the kind of tasty treats well, we want to I mean, talk about this week. I guess we'll just start with uh, the segment of Brewer's Notations for our latest deck editions, tweaks, observations, inspirations. And we're talking everything, of course, Core 21 or, or M21, yeah, I guess Core so. Set 21. Oh, I mean, Thanks, Wizards. Like, just, just stick to something. <laughs> just as a bit of background, I wanted to keep this kind of section and, and, and do this on the regular, but pretty much for everything that just needs a bit of a, you know, uh, kind of a diary of whatever we've been looking at, what's what's kind of getting, you know, uh, added to decks and, and what we're looking at, if we're inspired by anything without doing full deck text, that kind of thing. And But, I mean, there will be deck text later on. I know you do a lot on, on YouTube, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, and um, definitely fun to talk about. But, yeah, I mean, usually I just love spitballing a few cards, you know, that kind of piqued our interest this week. And, and of course, M21 just launched or not – not technically released, pre-release was on the weekend, but um, we've got a whole new bevy of, of new cards to play with. Um, again, mm-hmm. that we're playing, some of us are playing Limited Commander um, <laughs> and, and just, you know, of course, it, it says it on the box. That's mostly what we talk about around here. Um, yum, num, 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 num. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, <laughs> with with lack of playing Commander myself, it's it's just been an absolute you know, onslaught of me finding little threads of inspiration and, and jumping on the kitchen table and, and pulling out the box of cards and, and literally got like six or seven deck ideas on the run that are, you know, shells of things kind of thing that I might not ever finish, but, you know, they were just jolts of inspiration. So, again, M21 has ignited it. Spoiler season is always amazing. And then when you actually get your hands on the cards, I think, you know, both of us have got a box this last week, managed to um, duck out outside in the the crazy world and you know dodge uh kind of quarantine and everything and you know very cautiously grab physical cards like you know um i'm going to be completely honest with with everyone out there i actually ended up getting two boxes oh yeah i really really wanted one of the cards that we'll talk about in a minute um (laughs) yeah um, because reprints in m21 Ooh, they're hot. Yeah, exactly. They're so hot. And I, I think this week anyway, we're, we're going to, as a bit of an introductory thing, you know, we'll probably be a bit more structured in what we do later on, but it's kind of most things this week, I guess, blend uh, M21 and I think the, the main kind of crux of it anyway will lean over from um, what our Brewers Notations is all about, which is you know, the kind of just cut, the spitballing the cards we're really interested in and maybe what mm-hmm. we pulled or, or what happened at pre-release, that kind of thing. And But, um, yeah, I mean, let's – I mean, the roughest structure to start with, I guess, you know, like what, um, you know, what were some of the first few cards you saw that you may have pulled or whatever and, and, and kind of pick your interest and you're, you're going to jam into a deck, you know, at, at, at first opportunity. Well, look, so the reason that I bought two boxes in the first place is because I wanted Grim Tudor. So for those that aren't <laughs> aware, it's a, it's a very, it has been a very expensive card that I think was reprinted only once. It was originally in like, I think, Portal Three Kingdoms. And again, just for scarcity, or- it's, it's the whole Imperial Recruiter thing, I guess, right? 
Yeah, exactly. It was extremely scarce. It was like a couple of hundred dollars. I kept looking at it and going, I'd rather buy a Force of Will, which, by the way, I still haven't bought. <laughs> but uh, it's two black and a colors for a sorcery. Search your library for a card, put that card into your hand, and then shuffle your library, and you lose three life. That's it. It's just a sorcery. It's a tutor, and it's hella expensive, and them reprinting it like wizards reprinting it basically made me go, yes, this is a thing that I want to absolutely get. Um, along with Ugin, of course, and Ugin's many faces. Yeah, exactly. Which I didn't actually get a copy of yet, but yeah, I know. Made you mad, jealous. So, um, I, 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 I was going to say Grim Tutor anyway. It's, it's, it's the type of thing. It's going to be, what, your fifth or sixth tutor that you need in, say, the mm-hmm. type of deck that cares about tutors you, you want to you know, rip something up, uh, you know, rip up a combo piece kind of thing and, and, and look for it real quick. But it's, I think we were talking very um, casually before about like I, I've got a different relationship with choose. I've never built that many decks that really require on that one piece to find, but not saying that's not going to happen, but I still have my pile of tutors ready to roll, you know, on that occasion, like, you you, you know, your demonic tutors and, and that kind of thing. But that difference being there's a, there's a two mana one, which is, Ultra premium, the demonic tutor. There's a there's a four mana one, you know, basically throw away. Um, it makes a big difference, and there's just a the scarcity of a three mana one that was only printed once, essentially, you know, for two hundred dollars. You know, I it, think it, you're also forgetting the the one mana one, which is vampire. Of course, tutor. it's the best one, and that's that's <laughs> that's ridiculous prices these days, right? But yeah, it's it's way too expensive for what it is. Yeah, exactly. Which I mean. Uh, Eternal Masters, I, I think I remember people going, you know, slagging some of the value in it when it came out. I didn't know what was going on because I just just started when that came out. Um, uh-huh. But now it's, yeah, some of those cards are just it absolutely absurd. all the way back up. <laughs> yeah, like one man is where it's at. So, I mean, I mean, uh, it kind of blends into maybe talking about like a little bit of our, I mean, we've loose, we've, we've kept this super loose today anyway. And I think we, you know what, I, I think we're going to, as we hit our flow, we're probably going to keep it this way. But like... It does. It does kind of touch on, you know, makes me think about what our general approach to the game is. That you know, maybe worth addressing. I think we'll do it again. But I mean, I, I think it's worth addressing now. Yeah, like, so I think so. When tutors, like, what? What is? What is? Okay, so what is your thought process around not including that many tutors? Uh oh, sorry. As far as I mean the. It's more that commander for me generally means it's my creative way to to you know uh, have expression that kind of thing and and you know it's it's often that inherently becomes a place where I play lower powered stuff in a way like it's it's competent mm-hmm. it's synergistic it's you know I'm always playing the game but they're kind of if you put them on a scale of ten I might play six out of ten decks you know it's that kind of thing and I just haven't built that many decks that need to compete with a really cdh but you know like a higher end kind of thing so um it's more that uh what i was touching on is is more that we kind of aim to look at commander as general like as a general thing in the game magic the gathering collectible card game (laughs) um as as the most positive place you know uh the the we can see it being essentially, and we just want to push that as as much as we can, and and just have a place that celebrates that and, celebrate and makes it makes it welcome that that kind of thing, and and you know gets excited about things every week and and tries to fit them everywhere they possibly can without excluding you know anyone essentially, and, and whether it's competitive, casual, whatever. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm going to lean on the casual side. I know, I know, Jesh 
is an absolute casual lord, but at the same <laughs> time, you're you're completely even more well versed than me in 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 making something that's so completely dedicated to a game plan. Um, and and I mean, we can talk about this on you know further episodes, that kind of thing. That yeah, you know, like what does commander mean to people? Like it's it's really mm. interesting because there is such a span for sure. But I mean, generally, it doesn't matter what commander you play. As long as you're having a good time, you're positive, you're, you know, we're, we're happy with that, which is awesome. And that's all we ever want to promote, I guess. My history of tutors is pretty simple. Like, so I, I absolutely always tout, especially with like Commander the Distancing, that we don't like games that end before turn 10. Yeah. Now, there was a, an article that came out recently, I think, on Star City or Cool Stuff, and it was like, it's okay for you to, like, end the game on turn five. No, it's not. It's not. It really isn't. Mm. And if you do that to me, I'm going to be real sad because and, – and this is the thing, right? So, like, I love tutors for two reasons. The first one is if I'm playing a combo deck, I can search for my combo. Yeah. Now, my combo is usually, like, not two cards, but it's usually, like, five cards. And I can search for a piece of that five-card combo, which is ridiculous and amazingly funny. Yeah, and it's, the it's other not that word that like gets thrown around a bit oppressive, you know? Like, it's, it's, exactly. yeah, it's still, it's still an expression of creativity. And I think that's, that's a good point to look at it at. I mean, yeah. but it's the same time. Like, you don't, you know, we're kind of just giving ourselves guidelines based on what we believe purely, you know? Like, we could, we could build the most obvious, you know, Anima combo deck and, and it wouldn't be that much fun. So, yeah, no, I know you mean. And it's like, it's also that yeah. maybe I need to actually just jam these tutors into things because the amount of times I've seen you like pull out, like, we need a board wipe right now. And like, that's actually probably a better way to use that. going to be my point is that I, I use tutors either for those like stupid big combos or I use them as a toolbox tool. Like they, they are the toolbox itself. Like you need this thing while well, you can tutor for this thing. Like if you desperately need that board wipe to stop somebody from winning so you can win, well, you can do that. You can tutor for that, you know, for that particular board wipe, be it, you know, uh cyclonic rift or whatever it is. Yeah, definitely. But I, the negative around tutors has been drilled in by people running like, eight or nine or ten yeah, level decks true. against totally. five. And I've probably That's saturated myself in that in. too. And it's like, and then just mm-hmm. a, you know, ambient expectation of it all that I'm like, oh, I just don't do it because that is a, it's a, like in a way it's my expression of a correlation of my casual level in a way. It's like, you know, but, you know, it's not the case. It's, you can totally run them in. I mean, how a skeleton ship could use the future, <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. So, I know, and I yeah. think that's that's a good you know, that's a pretty hefty topic to start with, actually. Like, and it's, you know, starting with our mission statement, our, our stance on tutors. And uh, like you say, I don't want to ever be overly negative about, you know, that kind of thing because they definitely have the utility and with great power comes great responsibility. Like, what are you using it for? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, moving along, I mean, that's kind of our ethos and I wanted to kind of touch on very, very loosely, you know, wrap into like some <laughs> of our topics in a fun way, but it's, it's more just fun to get on the microphone and... Talk and find our flow anyway. It's it's um you know it's good to be doing this. Uh, but uh, exactly. let's run. Let's keep running through a few cards that M twenty one has uh, brought to our attention. And and you know, like I say, we jamming in the decks. I think you were just saying Ugin before is your next one, which is yeah, you know, pretty much the poster. I mean, it's a Teferi set, but Ugin was probably the one screaming at the top of it, going, "Hey, look, look who's being reprinted." Yeah, so Ugin, Ugin is one of those anomalies where uh, you can't really get a copy 
under $65. Yeah, it was like that, wasn't it? Um, and there's some special yeah. ones that existed. I mean, we're in a, a whole new world now of um, alternate arts and stuff, which I, I do believe in. I think that's an awesome yeah. way to cosmetic updates, essentially, I think, has been driven by MTG Arena and then, like, let's print more of these in real life and it's, you know. Well, to be honest, it's more wizards kind of started seeing people doing altars and they were like, oh, oh these yeah. altars look really stunning. That was totally my and thought, And they yeah. were like, oh, we totally should actually be doing this and making money off it instead of like letting the altarists do it and make money off it. It's like, <laughs> exactly. yeah, you should have been doing this like 20 20- 20 years ago yeah like so, so you're only just discovering this now it, exactly so so um, not as that not as many like uh extended border kind of treatments uh i, I guess they still happen in that alter community but i was gonna make the joke that you know what are you gonna do now you gotta put goku on a uh you know a gideon or something like that but yes um but yeah no it's, it's ugin was you know he's been on my radar for uh, a while for something I'd love to have. But I was just we're never going to pay the cash for it because it's was yeah it's modern and, before and this. Right? I guess we should explain. Um, so yeah, it's it is more a modern slash cube piece. So Ugin is a colorless planeswalker for eight colors. Uh, Ugin for I think it's plus two. Ugin deals three damage to any target uh, for minus X, uh, and of course comes into play with seven loyalty. So. X could be up to seven on, on the turn that you drop him. Uh, you exile each permanent with a converted mana cost. Or I should say each. It, yeah, it's each permanent. <laughs> Are you doing this all off the top of your colors. head? Yeah. I've got him in, so I've got him in front of me. I'm, 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 I'm checking with it. A converted mana, yeah, with a converted mana cost of X or less. So if it's colors, you're not going to exile it. If it's a land, you're not going to exile it. But if it's a permanent with a single color or more, you're going to exile it for the game. So already this just sounds like a really strong board wipe in your uh, Eldrazi deck, right? Yeah, exactly. But how's this? So minus 10, you gain seven life, you draw seven cards, and then you put up to seven permanent cards from your hand onto the battlefield. And that is ridiculous. And it, that is just it gets achieved like um, super super quickly. But um super cheap to to get it up there. Uh if you play this with um uh what's it called? The the not doubling cube, doubling season. If you play this with doubling season, it comes in with like 14 loyalty, oh, yeah, right? Bang on. Like just gonna do the minus 10 straight away and just drop my hand onto the field. Uh, let's say you're playing blue green. You've already drawn like 20 cards and you have in play, uh, you know, um, uh, a way to keep your hand so that you're not discarding end of turn. And then all of a sudden you use Ugin, you drop Ugin on the field, your ultimate Ugin, you drop your seven most powerful cards out of the 20 cards you now have in your hand onto the board. <laughs> like it's just, there's all this stuff that you can do with that and chain veil and it's just Ugin's super expensive. Like in modern, obviously not as broken as it can be in Commander. It's but, still like it's uh, still the pinnacle and and you know your you end goal for a lot of, of um oh it's it's kind of a control piece I don't know I actually I haven't I haven't played modern for a long time and um you know certainly haven't uh, you know uh, seen it seen it on the field but I've just assumed that's what's going on as well yeah pretty much yeah. like and, and, and now modern does too, change actually. like um, Tron decks do go out of fashion now oh, and again of and course, yeah. people find a way to beat the Tron decks and then all of a sudden the Tron decks are back again yeah I miss <laughs> so, I kind of miss that cycle of mine I only lightly played it with Death and Taxes for a little while and started to learn it but yeah it's 
my mate played Affinity and then he played, you know, uh, Tron deck and Tron was so up and down because it was the top and unbeatable for a while and the Scourge and then, yeah. then it kind of lost a few pieces. Or they had this uh, bevy of times where they were um, just a pattern of printing things that kind of nerfed it. It was really funny. And and some players mm-hmm. felt attacked, you know, personally that all these all these things were appearing that were nerfing their their strategy essentially. But yeah, I mean, nonetheless, Ugin a, um, a an absolute uh, object of everyone's desire for ages. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm just super stoked out one. Especially now giving us what's that? Yeah, especially now giving us like a borderless version. Which like, again, I'm holding in front of me, and it's yeah, it's awesome. It's yeah, <sighs> that was so that was the. The hundred percent stoke when I open that in the box, and um, you know, I'm probably buying. I'm buying cards at a moment, at like at this time. I probably wouldn't buy a booster box of every set, kind of thing, because most things for me go into mm. a commander deck, or they go into not not too much constructed, you know, competitive uh, formats or anything. But like, yeah, if I'm really interested in the set, I'll get a booster box when it comes out. And you know, these days it's also I've got a commander cube to kind of upkeep, and this this. You know, I mean, spoiler alert, Straight this in. set is just, <laughs> this set actually looked, um, you know, just generally like quite darn good for a um, for a core set. You know, the, the general expectation Ooh. is some pretty medium stuff, you know, whatever, learning the game, whatever. And, and, and they've used this as they have with a few other things as a conduit to reprint some really, you know, much needed things. So, Ugin was was very much a um, kind of welcome uh you know, surprise in there. And, and like I say, it's halfway through the ripping open the box, you know, um, and, and sitting there going, oh, where's all the mythics? And there weren't any. And, uh, yeah, lo and behold, Ugin came out in, in all Ugin his uh, in borderless glory kind of thing. So, but yeah, like I say, it's, it's uh, this was definitely one I was like, yeah, I definitely need to get a boost box. This great set um, and also that I haven't been there at my local game store to draft every Wednesday night, you know, for a while. So it's like it, mm-hmm. it definitely I did not feel one like one bit bad throwing some cash at them. So yeah, and, and U- yeah. Ugin greeted me for um, you know, my kindness, I guess. Next but, um, next Yeah, so next one uh is Azusa Lost But Seeking. Ah yeah, of course. Um so Azusa, as you may or may not know, if you are new to Commander, you probably might not have seen it that much, but uh, if you're not new to Commander, you probably know Azusa from both modern land stacks and from Commander land stacks. Um, so my and and I'll just give a bit of background here. So this was uh, Kamigawa originally, yeah, that's then right. Reprinted it, I think, as a Judge foil, and it was sitting for a rare. It was sitting at about ten to fifteen dollars, depending. Um, and this is two colors and a green for a legendary creature, Human Monk. You can play two additional land cards on each of your turns, and it's a one-two. So doesn't sound impressive until you see it in like a Lord Windgrace deck. Oh yeah, or, Omnath um, or something. Yeah, uh, exactly. Rogue Monster deck. Just land and decks. It's just amazing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but trying to find like copies of these out in the wild, like in Australia, is is hard. Yeah, they dried uh, up, didn't they? With- <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, no, they uh, they they dried up for a bit. It was really weird. Like, so you had the the Kamigawa ones, and then the um, the M twenty five, I think. Like, master, oh, mo- what was it? Masters twenty five is that what they call? Yeah, it? They it did call it Masters twenty five. They they reprinted in that new art, that kind of thing, and it was pretty cool. But again, it's too kind of hard to you know reach places to get this card from. So, and nobody, um, I, no one really opened Masters twenty five. 
So yeah, exactly. I remember, the value I remember of pulling out of my. Junk. I'm going to buy a box. Nah, I don't think I will. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, well, the EV exactly. was super like, low. <laughs> I went to buy a box and I was just like, mm, mm, there's just the values not there, the yeah. reprints aren't there. Like, you told me that M25 was going to be like this amazing set with it, and it just was such a, a letdown. Yes, so, celebration yeah. of 25 years of magic. I mean, you've still. Uh, I don't envy the task of making a, a set that has to um, still function as a limited set and then at the same time celebrate all this stuff. But, you know, I think- I'm just, with- just going to say Ugin. Oh, yeah, should have been in there. Exactly, exactly. The, the more, more that level <laughs> Oh, that cards. was Magic 25? That was your celebration of 25 years? Yeah. And I, I think we're getting, we're getting more desirable cards out of, um, strangely, out of this <laughs> corset. This measly a corset in 2021. <laughs> um, far out. That's, that's nuts. An affordable boxed corset. I don't understand. But anyway, we'll move on. I was going to say, oh. and it's not 2021 just yet. I yeah. mean, as much as I want yeah. it to be 2021 and we can leave this year behind us, but- um, you know, Mark, for <laughs> marketing purposes, that's never, why it's called Quartz. Yeah, exactly. I never get which one's which because the commander yeah. ones want like the current year or whatever, but that core mm-hmm. is bit ahead. I have no idea anyway. I, but, I, um, so the reason that they have to do that is because of the big box stores. Because if they put Core 20 on it, um, the big box stores don't like touching it because it's current year and not future year. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing with American stores. But do um, they t- they touch Commander product though, right? Yeah, yeah, they still stock Commander product, but because when it comes it's, to like yeah, it's different. non-Commander product because it's so specific, uh, that's the reason why it's titled as a year in the future. Wacky. And it's a corset. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, uh, Pepsi Man. Pepsi Man. Pepsi Man. So we're kind of <laughs> yeah. I mean, all the all these uh, reprints have been. Fantastic. But again, I mean, theme of commander staples that, you know, people wanted the Zeus's, people always need Pepsi Men. Um, who are we talking about? Who's Pepsi Men? Uh, Sad Church? Robot. Yeah. Also known as uh, Solemn Sim- Simulacrum. I almost lost that mm-hmm. one. Man. I was like, what, what's it actually called? Sad Robot. The, the four mana um, robot. I'm not looking at it right now. It's a 2 3, right? Uh, it's 2 2. 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, I'm getting this wrong. I'm just seeing how much I remember this guy. Uh, a 2-2 two, two enters and you search your library for a basic land card, put it on the battlefield tap. So, he's a way to mm-hmm. ramp in, um, in non, uh, non-green, non basically, which is yep. way to go. And then he's got one of those uh, amazing input-output kind of systems that, you know, always fantastic, um, you know, that comes in ETB and then leaves the battlefield or... This is a dies trigger essentially, but whenever uh, Solemn Simulacrum dies, you draw a card. That's right. Um, and very particular, we have to state the dies trigger. It's a dies trigger. Yeah. If, not, if this guy flickering. gets exiled, he's not dying. He's yeah, exactly. not dying and going to the graveyard. He's getting exiled. So zones do matter. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I was, was going to say with um, uh, potentially for ma- magic news later on, we might even, um, I might pick your brain for what you thought oh, about uh, the ooh, whole yeah. commander di- dies trigger kind of um, update to the rules that happened <laughs> recently, but we'll get to that later on. Uh, yeah, I think in, in a future episode. We'll get to that later on. I've got plenty. Of, I've, I've got. I've got so much to catch up with you with that. Um, you know that we could we could discuss for hours essentially. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, Pepsi Man is there. He's he's yeah. I mean, amazing artifact decks. He's amazing a lot of decks. Like, could perceivably yeah. go in most commander decks so, depending on what you're if, doing. 
if people are wondering why we call it Sad Robot and why we also call it Pepsi Man. So, <laughs> Sad Robot comes from the original art for Solemn Simulcrum from, like, Mirrodin? I think Something it was Mirrodin like that. or Mirrodin Besieged. It was one of the Mirrodin sets. Um, Solemn Simulcrum was just, like, shoulders and head looking sad, basically. Like sad He's actually Robot. a player, isn't he? Sorry? It wasn't at a player rewards thing, so it was- um, uh, Yeah, it was originally a player. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember who it was, but um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, it was literally his you know, robot body looking thing and then- and, and Yeah, this was human an face. Inv- invitational design card. Yeah. Um, and then there was another printing of Sad Robot that was less sad, but it was more of the, the body shot. Um, and then recently, I think it was last year, they updated the art to this like gorgeous Phyrexian looking robot uh, outside what looked like a classic, like. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Clock. And yeah, that the is last the art they made in M21. Yeah, that was, that was yeah. quite interesting. The spiky guy. But here's the thing not unlike the rest of the set with the rares, they decided to do a completely different art for the full art borderless card which is Pepsi Man. So in the eighties, <laughs> we had this this really bad Pepsi commercial, which was, was Pepsi Man. Pepsi and Man. They actually made a game of this, and you can actually look it up on YouTube. And let's probably drop a link below if we can. The but, game was um, released in nineteen ninety nine. I want to see when he came out. Oh, was it nineteen ninety nine? I mean, the, oh, if it was a PlayStation One game, then yeah. But he must have came out before then, right? Well, I I seem to think it was the eighties, but actually, really could have been nineties. <laughs> My my decades kind of when you get to my age, <laughs> when you get back to your in 40s, my day, kids, Pepsi Man <laughs> told you to drink a Pepsi. <laughs> but, Pepsi um, Man yeah, told like, you Pepsi was healthy. Action figures and all sorts of like weird things. But yeah, it's like Pepsi Man. It's just the art is. I'm going to say that the art is stunning. Like hey, just I, Google Pepsi I Man. You, full, yeah, just a chromatic yeah. man. Like it was. Yeah, reflective yeah. dude. There's a Pepsi Man action figure. I need this. There was. Yeah. Unless that's can, a- uh, No, no. You can still pick them up on the secondary market. Oh, uh, sorry. I thought as a, I thought as a um, ironic fake because this one has a little dis- like a, a disruptor on the side. It just says smell of Pepsi Cola. Is that really? Yep. You can smell like Pepsi? <laughs> and then mm-hmm. what, is, what does Pepsi smell like? <laughs> <laughs> it smells Sugar like syrup. cola. Yeah, exactly. I guess. But then I, <laughs> I can't really- Think of what that actually smells like. The game looks like a um, bit of a, like a Simpsons hit and run thing. Yeah, instead of a car, just, you're actually it's an just infinite runner. It, it's un- just a horrible infinite runner. Yeah, yeah, you are yeah. running and collecting things like Sonic, kind of in a three D sense. Mm. Anyway, digress. But Pepsi Man, get yeah, him in your Pepsi decks. Man. And um, and also, I mean, that's the type of thing too. They they were hard to get a hold of anyway. As a, as a general card, they've. They reprint them fairly frequently in um, Commander Precons, which is always welcome. But, you know, they're still always straddling that 4 or $5 line, I think. Um, yeah, exactly. But again, well, it's I like- mean, usually speaking. So, usually you pick them up for about 4 bucks um, because they're constantly being reprinted. Yeah. But in this specific set, the reason that I wanted two boxes again is because I really wanted to hit the alt art and I did. Yeah, I mean, and I was- prefer to hit it in foil because it is absolutely gorgeous in foil yeah but, exactly uh, and yeah. any kind of um, metallic texture and then actually given a uh, a physical metallic texture on the card always works wonders exactly some cards work better than others in um mm. in what do you call it in foil exactly and I'm, not some- a massive, I'm not a massive foil person i usually stay away from foils but uh, there's just some cards that you just go oh yep yep 
Oh, totally. And it's the whole, you know, I don't want, I don't always love my card turning into a Pringle, you know, uh, with <laughs> atmospheric considerations, you know, whether it's like too damp somewhere or, you know, let alone the whole like <laughs> worrying about if you leave your cards on the table, walk away and do something outside, come back and, you know, lo and behold, everything's curled. Crazy. Um, magic cards are weirdly brittle for how much uh, money we can put into them. So, yeah, anyway. pretty much. Don't rip cards, kids. Uh, hmm. But yeah, yeah. so uh, I lost track of my notes here. That's fine. It's that's I think most of the reprints I can think. I oh, know there's a few. I mean, there's a whole bunch of them, but it's like the note, main noteworthy ones for um, yeah. for commanders. I cared about. That's yeah, for exactly. Sure. The the only other one I can think of that is just because I've got a pile of cards right in front of me. But cultivate is a huge one. That I mean, not that I had any lack of cultivates. They were I think printed in M twenty five something like mm. that. I've got a bunch anyway. There's precons, whatever. But notably. Cultivate as a commander staple, it seemed like this was quite themed, even though it's an uncommon, got one of these kind of rare level uh, alternate art full border kind of treatments and it's even got yep. the rare, it's got the rare designation on it with the stamp, which was it does. pretty huge. So, I've got those kind of things, those little like, you know, pieces of bling really, uh, you know, kind of if, if they're done well or whatever, but like they, they do excite me a little bit for like, hey, you know, here's the the really cool one version I can chuck in the cube and, you know, that's the one to really celebrate kind of thing. And and this particular one, I've heard a lot of people say this is probably their favorite um, alternate art treatment in this set for sure. That it's, um, yeah, it's got that gorgeous. growth spiral it's, vibe, you know. It's so gorgeous. Like it's, it's, it's basically the art of like a, I, I would say, would you say a little girl? It looks like a little girl to me, but I'm legally blind, so. A wizard like- of, of – or, or- – or mage of some description, for sure. A, a wizardy, magey person in the middle of, like, basically a flower storm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it just, like, in a foil, it looks amazing. Even in non-foil, it looks amazing. Like, yeah, exactly. I want a non-foil copy because I'm, I'm now just getting the hankering to, like, make an actual cube. Oh, t- totally. And, and that's something we have to speak about. And I might even do a few episodes on it that, um, you know, by no means the expert on it, but I made one and it functions pretty darn well, better than I thought it would as far as a commander cube. But epic undertaking, absolutely worth it. I've even had friends just say now, I don't need to build commander decks anymore because I just play this. But um hmm. Again, it's kind of kind of sad. Like the way the world is right now, I haven't been able to play it for a good four or five months, um, which is a little bit sad. But we were we were playing heaps um, before then. Um, I should say as well. I mean, just in case anyone doesn't know what Cultivate does, uh, it's kind of you just suite of um, what do you call it? Green uh, ramp essentially. Like it's it's one of the most fundamental pieces that two and a green. Search a library for up to two basic land cards. Reveal those cards. Put one onto the battlefield tapped, and the other into your hand. Then shuffle yep. your library. Yeah, pretty much bread and butter. You know it does. It ramps your turn, which is absolutely fundamental in our uh, format. So, um, yeah. Uh, apart from that, I was going to say the only other one I had here was Baneslayer Angel. Not that I'm ever really that kind of crazy about playing it in commander but um you know maybe the the dan brown angels and demons deck comes along one day and we might need to do that if you if you like that kind of thing but uh and i, I know a few people have said that bane slayer angel well before my time when it got printed ori- originally but was the the kind of quite an iconic piece of magic lore as far as being that five mana package of you know angel abilities that were just quite insane and um i'm pretty sure is it lyra dawnbringer from dominaria had a very very similar kind of line of text essentially but just an overstated five mana um three white white 
Angel with, um, you know, flying first track lifelink. This one has pro dragons and pro demons. Um, so just, just a hard to deal with thing. And then apparently when it, when it did kind of, uh, release for competitive play that kind of thing it was it was the type of thing that you know the argument at the time apparently was that everything dies to removal and this was just enough like absurd power um for you know what actually like to to kind of meet that 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 payoff you know like is it worth it, it putting all your mana into something like this and actually like you know it may actually just die, but it's like that's so absurd. You may as well just do it anyway. So, um, pretty much when when this was in type two, <laughs> yeah, type, yes, this, type this is two. Yeah, this is vernacular. Uh, I have no idea what it means. Type two, yeah. far out. So, type two is what standard used to be. There used to be uh, like type one, type one point five, type two, um, but this was type two, or in other words, now called standard. Um, the the credence with this one was absolutely everything dies to remove. Except if I have, <clears throat> excuse me. Except if I have two blue and a bane slayer angel. Yeah, exactly. Because that's that's what you would do. You would like basically wait until you got to seven mana, drop a bane slayer angel, laugh at your opponent, and then just pummel them. <laughs> <laughs> golden, golden. So um, yeah, I mean that kind of uh, it kind of neatly slots into. Uh, away from the reprints and into what um what is some of the most overstated current cards like uh, <laughs> i heard the analogy today on commander's brew actually and it got me really thinking that they said that was the you know it was kind of handing the baton over in a, in a weird way like baneslayer angels that absurdly you know powerful and still is unlimited of course but you know white creature uh and then you've got what's green's equivalent um, <laughs> and and what you've got in this set for green's equivalent, you know, big splashy mythic because, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure each color might roughly get one of these kind of thing uh, and I think they've lined that up fairly symmetrically, like has one around the same mana cost that's just an absolute absurd bomb. Green's one, I Is mean, there- people have said about green the last you know, few years that it's just getting overpowered and you know say what you will or whatever but yeah green's green's version this year for their big splashy mythic is is you know i don't have one but i'm kind of keen to get one because it's kind of absurd and and just reads like the type of thing i was saying before that um you know i heard it again off commands brew that just said it's like the type of thing someone rocks up to you know um custom magic cards on reddit and goes you know Basically, like, here's my idea of a big green stompy card. And they're like, nah, that's way too powerful. And they actually printed it. Yeah. Elder Gargaroth. <laughs> so, this so this is ridiculous. This is uh, Vigilance Reach Trample, three colors, two green for a 6-6. Six, six. Sounds good? It's good. Hang on a second, though. Because whenever Elder Gargaroth attacks all blocks, remember it also has Vigilance, choose one. Create a 3-3 green beast creature token. You gain three life or you draw a card. That's right. Gaining life and drawing cards in green. Who would have known? Yeah, exactly. I was saying it just before. It's just like the, I mean, the the whole green suite of card draw these days is is something I find more comfortable and like you know straight away what to include in your green decks rather than even blue. Like blue's known for card draw. Now I know... I, I feel like I can draw more cards in green these days. It's it's kind of crazy. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just another piece. It's like that is, I mean, does it you know 
does it fit in any better like any better in some decks than others maybe like it's I mean, if you're playing Gruel, absolutely. Like, I was just thinking more like creature types and stuff. Steps. It's like, it's just, it's just a good thing. Like, just chuck it in a deck and call it a day, you know? It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, the card draw on a, on a, it just doesn't have to do anything exquisite to just do its job essentially. Like, it's just attack, you know? It's crazy. Yep. It's, it's just, yeah. Like, the, the fact that it has vigilance and trample alone is really good. The fact that it also gets reach along with its vigilance, along with its trample, along with its ability that goes off whenever it attacks or blocks. This is super good. Yeah, and no, so if you I, I was even thinking, um, do you remember... Um, it, oh, go for it. I was saying, if you if you crack a... Yeah, as I always say, some commander nerd will want that. <laughs> yeah, I usually tell people to, to push their foils out, like don't worry about them. Yeah. This is a card that is absolutely going to gain value. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not absurd at the moment. I think it's still within ten bucks or something. So still within um, ten bucks. Yeah, I, I was just thinking, like, what I mean, as far as big green splashy bombs and and mythics and that kind of thing. Remember when Theros came out a few far out? When was it? Like last year, sometime. Uh, uh, yeah, but Nick's Blue Mansion was like the one that got all the hype, and that was it's eight mana, I think. Um, Didn't that die quickly? What's that? Didn't that die quickly? Yeah, th- that kind of thing. It's just like <laughs> it's it seems absu- like stupidly absurd and and like basically double like triples your mana. Like that's what it says on the card. Essentially, I'll I'll look him up now. Um, but it seemed like the type of thing that seemed super broken even though it's eight mana uh is it eight not seven well okay it's seven better yeah. um but it, it seemed absurd and, and and broken and all that stuff but it's it's still seven mana it's a five five trample it's okay but it's like generally once you're tripling your mana like that you're doing pretty absurd stuff anyway and it's like it just doesn't i don't know for, for me it doesn't seem like the uh the kind of the threat that I reckon I, I actually think that um, the Gargaroth might actually fit better in decks as far as what we need to be doing, you know, as far as I see generally the curve of commander lowering a little bit more these days. And mm. that if you can't get your ramp pieces out and get to Nick's Boom, Bloom Ancient, you've generally, once you're out there, if you turbo them out anyway, you still got to wait a whole cycle to do anything with it kind of thing. So I don't know. I, I mean, they've, they've both got utility and, you know, I just think that Gargaroth will fit in more decks. Like it just is so in much broader utilities. Like you, the decks that want an next Bloom Ancient will know which decks they are. Essentially, you know, they playing into you know some villainous wealth stuff. I guess you know, mm-hmm. but it just I, I think it's that is a card for different decks. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of cards for different decks, uh-huh. um, oh, I saw your second one. <laughs> I, I yes. Is that the one you're going to talk about? No, no. I, I'm going to get to that one though. You're just jumping um, around the list. I don't. I don't. Go nuts. <laughs> I will too. Uh, so sublime epiphany, four colors and two blue for an instant. Yeah, this is the one uh, I wanted to talk about. <laughs> yes, I love this card. It's maybe my favorite card in the set. It's look. The art is stunning. I want, oh, yeah. Again, I want one of these in foils, and I don't usually do foils. Uh, so the text reads, choose one or more. Counter target spell. Counter target activated or triggered ability. Uh, return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Create a token that's a copy of target creature you control, or target creature draws a card. Now, remember, that's choose one or more. 
Yeah. So totally. to put that into perspective, Cryptic Command is like three blue and a colorless to choose two counter target spell or return target permanent or tap all creatures your opponents control or draw a card. Yes. Right. So this is obviously more expensive by a long shot. Right. So we're talking two extra mana, which is, you know, technically speaking, one less blue at least. Uh, but the effect nonetheless is. Oh, even more reach kind of thing. A mythic. <laughs> like- yeah, I, I think so too, actually. That's a, that's a really good point that uh, especially the way this plays out limited that I've had the joy of doing it already on arena. And it's like, this is, this is the best. Like this is, you know, that whole feeling that they love to paint as being a blue mage and just doing all these decisions and making you, you feel like you're making your opponent be like trash <laughs> but it, it's exactly if you if you pull like, off all these modes at once because you've got a counter target spell and triggered ability that's that's total achievement unlock but you generally you're looking at three of these i reckon uh no, you know what very easily four that's fine like to, I've, to count I've something bounce it. something create a token draw a card but like i say if I, you can i've done all of them you did all of them once. yeah exactly if you can yeah. find a way to someone's <laughs> someone's uh Cast a spell, it's triggered something else, then you're you're ripping into this, which is I I yeah, I haven't talked to anyone about this card as far as commander utility just yet, but I see this in our format for a long time. Mm-hmm. I know it's so six mana. Certain- Again, we just talked about curve before, but like it's six mana. Like it's an instant. It's, you're playing you know, commander. Like you know, six yeah, mana. It's, yeah, it's I mean the, the, exactly. Like our curves are lowering, but not lowering that much. Like it's we're still at ramp, yeah. that kind of thing. Um but yeah, so I, just, I love this thing. Absolutely love it. It's it's just like um, as far as uh, you always find something to hit and 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 absolutely eclipse the value on it. You know, it's it's yeah. quite amazing. I mean, you just think well, of a creature me, that has flash. You know, that does these things. That's yeah, what it well, feels I mean, like. The thing that I did was uh, I counted a spell and the activated or triggered ability which was from uh the blue green hydra that's in standard at the moment oh yeah yeah um and uh, crisis yeah so hydro crisis comes in i play this i counter it and i counter the ability my opponent just concedes straight away because they're on three life <laughs> this would have gained them like they had a whole heap of land it was like i think would have gained them eight life drawn them 16 cards and i was just like no. It's funny the whole um, uh, powerful things on Magic Arena these days that like most often you don't get to see them play through because if if it is that truly that powerful, the opponent will know what's going on and scoop in response essentially. And it's almost yeah. like uh, removing that. I mean, you won the game, of course, but like removing that joy of seeing it kind of play out. It's just that powerful mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly been my experience is just absurd it's really really good so i mean check in later on i mean we might i might check up in a, a few months and um or once we get playing a lot more games kind of thing and like go, you know does this sit in all your blue decks or like not all your blue decks i think that's way too much of a blanket statement but the decks that would you know kind it definitely of, goes in a cube <laughs> yeah i totally totally and, and like that's that's kind of it that you know um i i've always loved cryptic command and i've got a few masterpiece mm-hmm. versions i don't know why i collect them it's great um but that's been a favorite card of mine just choices are amazing and i just always find that that's that's doing amazing things and this one i saw that as like this is kitchen sink command it just does everything it's crazy love it so yeah definitely slotting that one in uh yeah remind me six months time and um you know 
uh, find all the stories that, that came out of using this mm-hmm. absolutely amazing spell. Um, and they're speaking of dirt cheap right now too, by the way, cards. a couple of couple of bucks. Yeah, they're only a couple of bucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of what's not a couple of bucks and super pushed blue card, do you want to tell us what the next one on the list is? Uh, that your cursor is hovering over now to fairy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's very, I don't know. I I don't know your thoughts on this. I, to be honest, haven't thought about this too much. But I mean, I could see Teferi used in Commander um, a bit. I might just read him out because he does actually break a lot of rules uh, that we kind of know and love uh-huh. about Planeswalkers, which is probably the most interesting part of Teferi as a you know your two blue blue Mythic Planeswalker poster child for this set because um, it's Teferi's set essentially, but. He reads, so he's legendary planeswalker to fairy. We know all that part, but he's got this amazing line of text uh, that says, you may activate loyalty abilities of Teferi Master of Time on any player's turn, any time you could cast an instant. Uh, and he drops in for the four mana, you get your three loyalty. So three abilities, plus one, draw a card, then discard a card. So just a loot, um, essentially like a merfolk looter. Uh, minus three, target creature you control phases out. No, so you don't control. It, you don't control, yes. I mean, yeah. you can't do yours to protect it, um, which isn't, you know what? It's actually, it actually has the reminder text here. I was, I was going to say it's it can be very powerful. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes not as powerful as people realize, but I think nonetheless powerful, and, and especially the um, uh, in the nature of the, the way you can do this on as an instant, essentially. Uh, but it says treat it and anything attached to it as if as though they didn't exist until its controls next turn. Now, I'm, I will note that probably in Commander, this is this is a different kind of story, especially the fact that I think this doesn't. It's not said enough in Commander that a lot of my thought cycles revolve around the fact that com- the difference in Commander is that you're on average going through three other players before you get your turn back. And, and that makes a lot more of a difference rather than 1v1 kind of thing. So it's things like I think Vigilance is a, like as a blanket statement underrated in Commander because having mm-hmm. a blocker, like you've having to, you know, endure three people, you know, attack that kind of thing. So I actually think phasing out something, especially a problematic thing, yes, it's coming back. No, it's not triggering ATBs or anything like that. It just just does not exist anymore for, you know, could technically be three turns kind of thing. Um, I should mention now, if you get to it, the uh, the ultimate is minus 10. Take two extra turns after this one. Um, so, yeah. And that's great, the only but, reason to play Teferi. Yeah, <laughs> it's like don't worry about these too much as far as like judging the card. But, you know, if it happens, it happens and you've, you've probably more than won the game by that stage. So... But the main thing about Teferi, and I only noticed this once I started playing Arena, um, and this, I, I probably even misplayed this, I'm pretty sure, for a good few turns, an opponent was probably laughing their head off at me. The whole activating loyalty abilities um, of Teferi anytime you could play an instant means that it's basically the timing is you can do one on your turn, you can do one on their turn. So you get one of these yep. activations everyone's turn. Uh, then that's usually kind of addressing a massive downfall of you know people say what they will about uh, planeswalkers in commander, and some people find them a bit too fragile. Some people find them annoying. Whatever. Again, depends on the plane wa- planeswalker. But a big thing is, yeah, you activate it, and then it kind of you have to endure three attacks again. Um, you're getting you're really compounding the value of this over time. In you know. A commander game if you're playing on average of four players 
So, you're getting, by the time that's back around to you, you've activated this potentially if you've got protection for Teferi. So, your turn four, uh, say another three. Uh, so, you're yeah. up to seven. Then you're, that's, I mean, that's why the ultimate's minus 10. It takes a while to get to. But you're activating this a hell of a lot. You've, you've got a lot of play. Um, and seeing that happen so much, you've usually got enough, I think, to soak up that minus three to phase something out if... Uh, if you need to, essentially. But that I love the way it does, for the first time, invert, you know, the way Planeswalkers play. And it's funny, they're often in a, com- in a control deck, you know, in more constructed kind of competitive formats, yet they're not an instant speed type thing. That, but this one is. You can play really reactively in a, in a quite an amazing way. So, I don't know. It's, it's way too expensive at the moment um, because $50, $60, whatever, um, you know, for whatever reason. But... Um, I don't know. Like, I, I could actually see this being used as a, you know, um, a pretty interesting piece in a commander deck. I'm, I'm like, I'm still yet to judge how much value you're going to get out of it, but it's more just that it, it gives you a lot of play, you know, rather than dumping something down and hoping it sticks for a whole t- turn cycle, essentially. So, to put this one into perspective for people at home, if you see an attracts, uh, is it attracts that has blue in it? I think it is. Uh, if you see a Super Friends deck, Oh yeah, the proliferate one. Yeah, exactly. This is a potential card that's going to drop because the proliferate onto this card, like so, your your turn one, right? Yeah. So that makes four, right? Goes around three people. That's seven. Comes back to you. That's eight, right? So your next two players. That's nine and ten. Mm. So if you've got enough creatures and stoly stuff out to stop your opponents from attacking you, that means that the last person before your turn. You're going to be able to activate it uh, during their upkeep. Yeah, that's and take two extra turns. That's heaps shorter than I thought. Like it is not a long time wait, at all. If you wait until your turn and you plus one it on their turn, Teferi will stick around with one loyalty, and you'll take two extra turns, which means you'll be able to put two more loyalty counters on. Not counting proliferate. Not counting if you've got doubling season. Yeah. Not counting any other it, effective. It's not stuff one of the. Like, it's not the craziest thing. The doubling season from the get go, but yeah. it's fine. It's just like I really I can see it now that you. You're going to fire this thing off really darn quickly. It's just the type of thing demands an answer much like a, you know, Felidar Sovereign in a way, you know. Is that the one that 40 life win the game type thing? Yes. Yes, that's the one. I was going to say not Guardian. Sovereign. Yes, exactly. So, that kind of thing. It's like you have a turn cycle essentially maybe a little bit more or less to kind of deal with this or else then someone's just going to the races. So, I don't know. I might, Some, we might actually like see this hold, start holding this value for a long time. Turn spells. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. So, but at the moment, I can perceivably see it's all the control decks that want it kind of thing. So, um, mm-hmm. it's interesting limited resources, which I listen to a little bit. Not that I, I play a little bit of like casual limited and I really enjoy it as a, uh, a format. But, um, yeah, the, their, their show is amazing just to, to learn how it all works and you feel like you've actually learned fundamentally how to be a better magic player. But, <laughs> They were they were kind of judging it for limited. And they're like, it's actually not the greatest in limited. It's it's going to be, I think, see a lot more in um, you know, play in constructed type thing. They said like basically you'd probably just want a Merfolk looter essentially. Yeah, that's probably a, a more valuable thing. But they don't print those at two mana anymore. Um, my I, my experience was I, that you can still again like you're going to play it and you're going to enjoy it and it's 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 going to be pretty amazing. And I mean, I will say too like it's. 
planeswalkers are just a sponge for um uh you know, kind of attention, you know, they really are. And often they, they probably get more attention than they probably deserve sometimes for like the effect. They just seem really super splashy and especially you drop one of these in limited and someone's going to divert all their attention. Whereas, I mean, depending on the how the game's going, phasing out something may not be the craziest thing in the world. Maybe, who knows? Exactly. Yeah. I, I just think that this is like really good. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I disagree. I, I, in limited, I think that this is also very good. I think it's good. Yeah, I think it's quite good. Like it's it's like I don't think it was absurd. It never won me the game or anything. I actually decked myself with it without even realizing. That was very funny. Yes. Um. That was pretty. That, fun. That's that was pretty great. <laughs> um. But it's yeah. It's very. It, it's quite good. Uh. I just mm-hmm. don't think it's. There's other ones traditionally in limited that might be like you know like a dumb Garrick or something that would be probably pulling uh, more weight for you essentially. So, we'll see. We'll see if it holds this like absurd price tag as well. But, um, yeah, nonetheless, I always love games that uh, – sorry, games. I love cards that twist rules a little bit and um, give us new play space and, and design areas kind of thing because um, I don't think we'll see any others do that timing warping like he, he does. But, um, you know, hence he's, he's kind of master of time. Um, but, you know – interesting space again uh so it kind of just makes you think twice about how how you know kind of cards function which is really cool um, See, it's funny you should say that talking about warping yeah yeah <laughs> um and and i'll get back to fiery emancipation in a second but there's one i forgot about which is terror of the peaks oh yeah love this card yeah so i did not open one of these and i really wish that i, I need one had to open this in one of my two boxes um i have to trade so for three one colors and two red for a creature dragon mythic it's a five four it's flying of course because it's a dragon Yep. Uh, spells your opponent's cast that target Terror of the Peaks cost an additional three life to cast. So already it's basically saying if you want to kill me, like I'm going to do you damage, which is great for the card that we'll talk about after this because they actually fit together. Ooh, yeah. uh, whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Terror of the Peaks deals damage equal to that creature's power to any target. Now, specifically, when another creature enters the battlefield you don't have to cast it Mm. it just has to enter the battlefield under your control such as oh i don't know uh god the god from the last set or you know battle pig yeah (laughs) i mean there's there's a lot of uh sorry it's terror of the peak's power isn't it so it's a kind of it's a creature that you put in it is that creature sorry i was gonna say so the um you can really spam the type of uh if you really want to maximize this spam those creatures that have higher a higher power and toughness for whatever reason than their their mana cost gives them any right doing um but it's it's just a like having another war storm surge i think is a big thing Mm mm-hmm pretty amazing but uh yeah i i definitely need to get my hands on one of these because uh i'm actually i mean I was saying before about all these decks I'm building, one of them is the Obosh deck, not the companion version of Obosh, but just just Obosh as a good yeah. rak- Rakdos uh, five mana like uh, damage doubler essentially. But for that one, we're looking for everything with an odd converter mana cost doing the damage. Like we're not running him as a companion, so we don't have to meet the odd uh, card restriction or anything like that. But <laughs> that's one that, yeah, straight away, five, uh, five mana, he's doing the damage. That's perfectly fine, you know, and 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 that that's the type of thing that will be an absolute powerhouse in that deck. 
Well, it's funny that you should mention the amount of damage you can do, because we also have Fiery Emancipation, which mm. is also a mythic. This is an enchantment for three colors and three red. If a source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals triple that damage to that permanent or player instead. This feels like uh, Nyx Bloom Agent, but for red and damage, essentially. Like mm-hmm. I, I think, I mean, they definitely get us with, um, you know, printing cards like this and our eyes just light up with, you know, infinite possibilities of Commander uh <laughs> <laughs> commander wins and, and making the, the table absolutely cower and terror. But, yeah, I, I love it. It's just like, yes, comes down, spend your mana on it, does nothing. But later, you will see. Yeah, I mean, if you if you want to argue against using Lightning Bolt, this is a good argument for why you should be playing Lightning Bolt. Oh, yeah, Because totally. Lightning Bolt's now doing nine damage. And then if you're playing a blue-red deck and you're, uh, you know, copying spells and stuff, that Lightning Bolt is now doing nine damage to two players or perhaps just the one player for 18. Uh, or you're, like, splitting it enough times that it's dealing nine damage to everyone else. Oh, totally. <laughs> Obosh like- is actually a really interesting case for that because I realize it's the first place I've actually had the need to put a Lightning Bolt in there. Like, I mean, warranted, haven't built the Tor brand deck. Uh, Torbrand's in that deck, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, he came out, changed mono red as far as made burn viable, and and you know, I think they've been thinking about how to do it for years. Essentially, you know, that dam- that number based damage in Commander never really stacks up when you're dealing with a whole table of forty life players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and of course, one of Magic's most iconic cards of you know one mana to do three damage anywhere is the type of thing that just kind of didn't really you know could be used i guess but like not never really found you know it, it was never really worthy of a one one card to have in your deck that kind of um before some of these you know damage doubles as commanders but that's the type of thing i i, I also think that commander is progressing to a point where we're seeing i think it's actually worth running some small damage these days like it's you know um sometimes yeah i mean this is a very edge case it could finish someone off who knows but it's the type of thing I think you see a lot more combo pieces and utility uh, pieces in that three, you know, three toughness range that you could perceivably pick off and actually hamper someone's game plan. But I, I think that's looking at the, lo- the lowest version of it. But it's 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 the type of thing that can totally sit in, you know, um, decks on its own that you will find more targets than you think, but it is the type of thing then you, you start to add these damage doublers to it or damage triplers and, and, and let them stack on top of each other. And next thing you know, your one mana is doing 15. It's pretty awesome. Exactly. It's a lot to get through. So I, I definitely want a copy of that enchantment. I have to get one. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll have to get to tradings with, with some people pretty soon. So we'll get to, you know, we'll get back to paper magic. Exactly. Cool, cool. Uh, the last card that I want to talk about, though, is also very expensive and also a mythic, and it's actually a legendary artifact. Are you excited this about is, this one? I, I actually am. Interesting. And, and yeah, it's a, it's a weird one, and I'll explain why in a sec. So, Chromatic Orrery, uh, you may spend mana as though it was a matter of any color. Uh, you can tap it to add, get this, five colorless mana to your mana pool that you can then spend as though it was matter of any color. Mm. Uh, five tap, draw a card for each color among permanents you control. Yeah, this, this, that is this, pretty great. hilariously enough, actually goes in uh, a couple of really cool decks, but the one that's really, really cool is the five color Sisse deck. Ooh. 
You're probably wondering why. Well, that is a deck that you can run with all the shrines. Yeah, exactly. That was something I was going to bring up. And I think we might have to do so, a deck tech pretty soon because that's, that's yeah. been something that's been flying around my mind, how uh, how best to do that. But CC, uh, CC definitely um, it occurs to me as the best commander for that, as in Modern Horizons, um, five colors CC. Exactly. Um, but yeah, like I'm a bit excited. Like I did pull one of these and I didn't oh, even nice. realize, like I, I hadn't even noticed it was in the set to be honest, because yeah. I originally just wrote it off as a seven, you know, seven cost legendary artifact that I just don't ever want to play. Yeah. Big dumb rock and type then, thing. That's like, what's it doing in seven man range? Like, you know, what's the point kind of thing. And then you realize that you can untap it with stupid things mm. and you can, then you can just do really, really stupid things. And then you go, wait a second. Isn't this why another artifact was, was uh, banned because it was just way too good for the format. Paradox engine. And yes, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, this, this wrong, could this not exist not with paradox, paradox engine. engine. This, this along with scepter and dramatic reversal can be just as good as paradox engine. Yeah, true, true, true. I yeah. mean, yeah, I mean, scepter and, and dramatic reversal. Um, don't need to get into that too much, but you're um, if you're, you're pulling that off, you're um, absolutely going to town. But this is the pers- This is the thing you need. This this has everything stapled on it for the mana and the card draw. You know, um, you, you just if you reach this this kind of level, uh, you know, it's the type of thing that some people could kind of argue that uh, this is kind of a you know, big clunky do nothing thing that you need to be impacting the board a bit more. But it's like this is this is your conduit to find uh, you know what you need essentially, and and do some pretty spicy stuff. So I'm pretty keen to see what you um you actually brew with this. Yeah, yeah. Look, the fact that it comes down at, at seven mana is expensive, but yeah, the totally. fact that it it actually is only two mana because it taps for five mana. Yeah, I mean, like, like it's the great it's henge really thing. I mean, bad. great henge can just cost you two sometimes too. But like, exactly. Yeah, it's you're not. It's not entering tapped or anything. So you, yeah, you straight away get to do something with it. Um, and a bit and like I mean, what's you- three color dinosaur? Um, you know who I mean? Comes in untapped your lands. Uh, yeah, that's the type of thing you're factored in. So uh, the race to ramp out to this thing is probably well worth it because you then get to use it on something. Um. You know, so I mean, I used to run a uh, what's it called, Chromium deck, uh, seven mana. Yeah. Use a lot of the artifact like theme in that deck, kind of thing, to ramp up, um, and not just you know signets, those kind of things. It's, it's more that artifact, you know, a dedicated artifact ramped type, de- uh, type deck can be incredibly fast. Like you've got some of those, I think the two mana ones that uh, off like or three mana for Grand Architect, but two mana for, um, there's a few of them that basically tap for sometimes two mana for artifacts, essentially. You can you can rip up to this sometimes faster than the green players. So I, I think that's always worth looking at as far as, you know, seven's not, you know, seven mana's not that bad. Exactly. And I mean, when you're dropping things like uh, Vidalcan Ori as well, so that everything has flash, and oh yeah, you exactly. Just, you can just have a real gross time with this. Like it's 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 really good. Yeah, exactly. And that so that that being said, I think yes, it seems like a real Timmy card, but I think it's going to be pretty freaking awesome. Like it'll be good. Hmm. Uh, so next one, what should we got? Uh, that was the that was the end of your list for um. I'm pretty sure for kind of cards that got your attention. <laughs> I um, exhaustive list. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say I've I've been looking at this set as far as as a, a much broader range as, as as far as things to include in the cube, which is really cool. Um, especially any 
you know, maybe lower kind of costed uh, legendaries um, because, I mean, we'll get into this at, at some other time, but one of the best things we ever did for deciding on rules for the cube for, you know, playability, everything, a lot of people decide on how to do, you know, I mean, we've kind of tweaked the number of packs you open essentially in this massive cube for Commander. Um, that's a whole challenge in itself. But how do you get your legendary creature or legendary creatures, as I'll, I was about to explain anyway, um, to play your commander deck in a draft format type thing? And, and we made the rule that basically I've saturated the cube with so many legendary creatures, it's not funny anyway. Uh, but essentially anything that's a two-color commander or lower, so, you know, a one, say, just a black commander or a, um, or a say, a white, black, white and black or a green black commander, they can be your uh, your commanders as partners, essentially. So you can you can join any two commanders um, of one and two colors together to make a a three color um, kind of combo, essentially. So that actually opens up into partners of cards that no one's ever played with before, which can make some really broken stuff. And I'll change the rule when we, you know, if we, if we, uh, I, was, I was about to say actually because encounter anything yeah. way too broken because it's <laughs> it's bound to happen, but. It's kind of interesting that, that you know... Uh, that rule is great, except when you kind of factor in the ambi from this set. Oh, totally. Yeah, like checks and balances, <laughs> and, and that's the one. Now, I mean, warranted Niambi is not hugely on my radar to kind of throw in there, but, um, you know, could be worth looking at. But like you say, it's, you know, it's got that broken potential. But so anyway, like long story short, I mean, looking at a few of these as far as, you know, what they bring to the table and, and add to people's play experience for... You know, some just always love great effects. So, uh, first one I had, which really, really interested in is Vito Thorn of the Dusk, Dusk Rose. So, two and a black for a legendary creature, Vampire Cleric. Whenever you gain life, target opponent loses that much life. So, this is this is essentially Sanguine Bond on a dude. Is that the card? Or is it Exquisite yep. Blood? I always forget so which sang- one. Sang- sangguine Blood, isn't it? Sanguine Bond? Sanguine, sanguine blood. Bond, essentially. Um, so, I mean, that's <laughs> that's the cheap one, I think. Um, but essentially, it's it's a, a um, an oft-used enchantment stapled onto a creature, which is, you know, nothing to scoff at. And it's, and it's a 1-3. Uh, it's Cleric for, side note, I'll talk about a Cleric deck one day uh, that I absolutely love. Um, and I think Clerics are just one of the most, like, interesting creature types that there's so much you can do in that in that space um and then he's got uh three black black creatures you control gain lifelink until the end of turn uh so there's a lot of play in this i mean i love you know i think everyone loves making uh making things kind of gain your life in commander it's the type of thing that very early on when you start playing you know you you find that a comfy space to be in but the fact that this is this kind of punishes, you know, and weaponizes that life gain is always just an amazing piece and, and it's a really a lot more direct route to do that kind of thing, you know, for the kind of decks I want people to make in this cube kind of thing. So for that, it's it's going into multiple decks. I need a few ver- uh, copies of it essentially, but uh, I just think it's a super interesting card. It's really lean as far as the mana cost as well. Um, could be picked up for a few bucks and, and and I think just goes into a ton of decks essentially. So I just think you, you're always going to pick up a ton of damage in this if you're doing, you know, even a medium amount of life gain, you know, like and then that whole thread of activation of giving everything lifelink, you know, absolutely um, slams some people. So um, that was a good one. The other one, uh, Mangara the Diplomat was huge and I, I think that was, that was one that super stoked to see. Again, coincidentally, a cleric which is really funny. Um, Mangara is three and a white. 
for human cleric 2-4 lifelink uh, whenever an opponent attacks with creatures if two or more of these creatures are attacking you and or planeswalkers you control draw a card and then whenever an opponent casts his second spell each turn draw a card so um, what were your thoughts on Mangara do you think you're going to see Mangara see a bit of play oh look to be honest I I looked at Mangara and I was like yeah no yeah no but, uh, I, I'm sure that we'll see some play I don't think we'll see it as a commander I don't think it's strong enough to be a commander. I think that's key. Um, it, it, like it seems, it's meh, but it's it's card draw on on a you know on a white creature essentially. And again, I, I don't think you're going to build any specific deck with it that you know finds a way to capitalize on that because there's nothing nothing that really comes to mind of you know kind of getting people to attack you or anything like that. I'm not too sure, but it's you know goading, not really in that color. But it's more that. This is quite a defensive piece in any white deck that, you know, might need the help on the card draw front um, that I think the attacking thing isn't going to happen as much, um, especially that commander often plays out that, you know, someone attacks the path of least resistance or the path of, you know, most perceived threat essentially. Um, so, I mean, there's that, but it's it's also that uh, the when the opponent uh, when an opponent casts their second spell each turn, drawing a card off that, that's actually just going to ambiently trigger, I think, a whole bunch. I don't think anyone's going to stop casting, you know, developing their board, casting their second spell, you know, just just because you draw a card as well. So I think you actually get a lot of value out of, you know, hopefully quite a few cards around the table. Yeah, I just don't know what deck this fits in. Yeah, exactly. Like- I mean, it's... And- I mean, that being said, I said about the legendaries fitting into kind of, um, you know, kind of partner slots, if you will, for, um, you know, whatever you're building in, in the commander queue. But I, I still see, you know, in normal decks and then also broadly in the commander cube, this is just a, a functional, nice card draw piece in white. Hmm. So I'll see how we go. Um, I think there's a few others. I mean, nothing nothing so crazy. I think Jolriel, Sabira. All pretty cool. Um, could make decks on their own, but I think we'll see. But um, I think that's that's more or less the, the bulk of it for the moment. You kind of touched on the, um, the Sanctum of All, which, again, I might even save that for a, uh, a time we talk about a whole dedicated Sanctum deck. Uh, <laughs> or, sorry, is that Shrine deck, which could be really, really interesting for sure. But, um, yeah, I think more than anything, it's, it might be time to kind of um, – more or less uh, wrap it up by moving on to the um, the kind of uh, last part of our, our show, which we, we might start to do on the, the regular. I mean, we'll definitely intend to, but um, it, originally I think one of the, the big themes we wanted to touch uh, on when we are kind of conceiving the show is, is just the idea that, you know, Magic uh, Commander is a huge part of what we do, what we talk about, everything. But what else are we inspired by? You know, like it's – there's there's a lot more we talk about. There's a lot more we're always taking in, and then sometimes conveniently this slots into thinking about you know thematic commander decks. Sometimes you know that kind of thing. But I think it's always healthy to um, kind of broaden uh, what you're kind of getting into, hobbies, whatever. And and I think you, uh, for instance, are a very very interesting person, Chesh. And it's you know I've, I've always <laughs> loved uh, you know chatting to you about some some pretty inspiring stuff. So yeah, outside of the world of magic this week. Uh, in the entertaining, uh, in the entertaining. What's what's got your attention this week? Uh, Dora Hedora. 
which is a an animation currently on Netflix, which is it's kind of a mix between traditional and 3D animation. Like it's got a, a weird mix of both animation styles in it, which is interesting. Uh, being, but being quite modern, I guess that's that's a thing they do. They you know uh, some I'm thinking like New Berserk that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. So basically, it's it's a guy with a di- with a lizard head called. Uh, Oh, damn. What was it? Kyron? <laughs> I was going to say Kyber, like a few years. Kyman. Yeah. So, uh, basically what's happening is that there's two different realms. There is the hole, which is the earth realm, and then there is the sorceress realm. So, the sorcerers are coming to the hole and just basically experimenting on people. So, with Kyman, somebody cut off Kyman's head and killed him and then gave him a lizard's head. So it raised all his memories. So he doesn't actually know who he is, uh, which we learn throughout the series of who he is and and all that kind of goodness. Uh, but he meets up with a girl called Nikaido who becomes his best friend and owns a gyoza shop, which is fantastic. Ah, uh, that was the connection <laughs> to the gyoza shop you were talking about before. It's yeah, absolutely. Wasn't one of your friends shop? like, oh, you'd love this, you love gyozas. Like, ah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, so where one of my friends brought this to? to me saying, like, this is, you're going to love this um, because the lead character is current, cons- constantly going on about gyoza, which is one of my favorite foods. That's why I got so fat. <laughs> Gyozas and craft beers. Thank you very much. Mm. Um, I thought you said you went into beer. I- I'm craft beer. Ah. I won't drink regular beer, but I'll absolutely try I know, craft don't worry. beer. I'm a, I'm a massive beer snob too. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so with this anime, basically what happens is they go around killing sorcerers. So they're saving humanity basically by killing these sorcerers. Uh, however, Kaiman's also trying to figure out who he is to do this. He's basically interrogating sorcerers (laughs) by putting them in his mouth. Yeah, I had to look yeah. up screenshots of this uh, when <laughs> you started explaining this because yeah, it, yeah. I couldn't quite fathom what was actually going on. But I just recommend, yeah, just even a, a quick Google image search for um, Dorohi Doro uh, to see if this is the type of thing for you. Um, exactly. I'm super keen to check this out and, and basically, you know, how much you're raving about it. Um, you didn't tell me it's on Netflix or is it? Yeah. American Netflix or Australian? No, I'm I'm watching it now on Australian Netflix. Ah, but I just yes. binge it all. And, and like, over like accessibility is key there. Like it's just in front of most people's, you know, media kind of space essentially, which is huge. That's awesome. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to check this out. I get some really, and we'll talk before about, um, you know, how much violence can you handle in a uh, in an anime um, <laughs> series these days? And and I think that threshold is is kind of getting pushed um, because the, this this looks, has a lot of violence. Yeah, it looks pretty gruesome, and it's it was yeah. remind me of some things that kind of um, the type of thing that really rattles you, but you can't stop watching, like some of the things that happen on Attack on Titan, or like I was saying, Berserk as well. So. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I love the the anime space for creativity and, and this is the type of thing you're like, wow, this is unraveling parts of my brain I didn't know, you know, I could think about or, you know, <laughs> or, or types of fiction you didn't know could exist. Yeah. Into it. Well, I, I guess 
the the gore factor would be probably very close to Attack on Titan. Yeah, true. So well, if you can't handle Attack on Titan, you're not going to be able to handle yeah, this. Yeah, no, I think with Just Attack on Titan, it's more like the visceral stuff that it's like it's ripping things apart. It's you know it's it's very much making you think of the nature of what's actually happening, which I think this looks like it's doing as well. So no, this absolutely does. Super yeah. super king. This looks awesome. So um, at, at least you don't get to see when somebody's face gets ripped off. Yeah. Exactly. For the squeamish at heart, <laughs> don't uh, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> but no, very keen. And I mean, uh, I don't keep up to date fully with, um, I wouldn't say I'm at the forefront of what's happening in anime, but I, I certainly have watched a lot of it over the years and, and Look, very keen on it. I'm not, I'm absolutely not a weeb. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not the type of, per- despite my, I guess, despite my keyboard mat, um, <laughs> which is which is from a card game called Forcibility, oh, it's about to say. by PR people. You were talking about Cultivate um, before, you know, the alt art um, mm. treatment that that I was saying to someone the other day that that one reminds me of Forcibility art for some reason. Like, yeah, not well. I mean, it's very very anime. Yeah, that's it's why. like, but it's not like it's not fully in your face. It just gives it. I don't know. Um, it's, it's flavoring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, um, sorry, but, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm not, I'm not like a massive anime head. Um, I don't, I'm not, I'm, if somebody asks me like what anime should I watch, the first thing I'm going to tell them is Dragon Ball Z or One Piece. Oh yeah, true, um, true. Because cause they're stock standard. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to tell you that you need to go and watch House Moving Castle because that's not for everyone. Um, certainly not all the Studio Ghibli movies are for me. Yeah, that's uh, true. That's so true. I that would probably, of- I would first go to a couple of them that resonate with me. But it's, you know, again, like most importantly, anime is a different thing for every every different person, exactly. and it's so exactly. widely broad. It's not funny. It depends on what you want out of it. Like for me, totally. the reason I like Dragon Ball and, and One Piece is because it's all kind of combat, like fighting stuff. Okay. Um, and not to say that I like I'm into violence and I love MMA because that's I I absolutely do not like MMA yep. at all. Yep, yep. I find it no offense to people who might like it. I find it barbaric. Mm. Um, it's just you know people punching each other as hard as they can, which I don't understand. But for some reason I like it in my anime. So mm. go figure. Because that's I, I think it's because my brain absolutely knows the difference between like this thing is real and this hurts to this thing is an anime and yeah. this is just fun. And it's kind of a um, fantasy conflict type thing. And it's, yeah. I know and what you mean. Same with uh, My Hero Academia as well, actually, now that I think about it. Oh, I yeah, really, yeah. really dig that series. So, yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, what about you? What are you doing outside magic what for, do I do? for I mean, the entertainment? I've toyed around a few ideas to talk about. And, um, but uh, right now I, I – probably want to use the uh the space to talk about something because i brought this up with you the other day and and you actually said that you had adverse uh kind of thoughts about it but because of legacy reasons but i keep going back to the best show i've watched in the last six twelve you know maybe even year like you know over year or two uh has been the the kind of the newer on Netflix, I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix, but series of The Dark Crystal, um, it is. Age of I'm Resistance. It. Uh, and it's been the best kind of um, best experience as far as like recommending it to people and then seeing that they, they're like, oh, you want me to watch this? It's kind of just looks like a kid's puppet show kind of thing. Some people remember what the movie was like in the 80s. Uh, I never saw it originally, um, but 
kind of knew of its legacy, always saw it bundled up with Labyrinth in, in a DVD combo, you know, like it was like two-pack. Which always made me angry, but yes. <laughs> I mean, I've seen Labyrinth heaps, <laughs> love it. Uh, but never watched Dark Crystal, even though I grew up as quite a big, you know, fantasy sci-fi fan. Um, anyway, so I watched it without knowing much, uh, apart from Jim Henson wasn't involved in this one, but originally it was Jim Henson's kind of like creative outlet and and, you know, amazing kind of showpiece of of just like this amazing world and and you know always of course we're talking Kermit the Frog we're talking Yoda um love Jim Henson to pieces but it's uh basically what what came together was a combination of a bunch of people respecting the legacy of of Jim Henson and and as far as I remember I should check this up but I think it's you know still in his family's name type thing but Everyone got together and 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 said let's let's keep keep this thing going and essentially made a prequel series of the original Dark Crystal movie, um, which kind of spoiler alert makes it even more a little bit grim because you know exactly what's going to happen and the news is not <laughs> the news is not good. Uh, but I've I've not seen a show with that much heart, that much um, kind of. I want to say intellectual content as far as like big themes that it's going through, you know, for what seemed like really childish facades and, and you know, simplistic uh, kind of natured uh, puppets, things like that. It's it's kind of turns out to be such an amazing um, kind of overall world they've painted. The fact that we're seeing physical kind of puppets and environments created for this you know this world essentially like there's a couple of you know moment uh movements and things you're like oh this you know looks a bit quirky but it's it's very much in in the spirit of the original movie um and the original visions of of jim henson but what you've got is like we we haven't seen that many kind of real physical kind of uh what do you call it like uh miniature type sets these days like cg or whatever you know animation um and and you can really notice a difference that like this is the type of tactile feeling world. Uh, and then you get into what are surprisingly deep characters. Um, we've got really, really deep themes of, you know, uh, civilization versus nature, which is a huge one. I was going to say that strangely that pops up in Studio Ghibli movies all the time, which always love that as a core theme to something that, you know, the whole humans have probably gone too far. And in this case, it's, you know, uh, well, it's not humans on this world. It's essentially skexies and um gelflings and stuff um but then you've got a lot of like really interesting tones of um kind of racial inequality and prejudice which is very very surprising in the way that basically it really really clearly communicates to us that you know i mean humans have a long way to go with this and how petty and stupid it really seems when there's a bigger problem yet all we're doing is kind of fighting within ourselves and that becomes really abundantly obvious in this show so i mean i won't won't spoil any more but it's it's the type of thing give it some time i think mo- like most things in this day and age we're we're kind of looking for a show to absolutely dazzle us and and, and you know kind of give us everything the first five minutes. But, I mean, definitely give it an episode or two to kind of develop and, and sink its kind of, you know, hooks in and, and, and you know, feel the world. But uh, I think most importantly, yeah, it's an atmosphere thing. It's it's just I, I was transported to another world um, that wasn't cheap or shallow. It was it was huge. And, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll finish with saying the lasting sense of futility that I've never – I've never seen any piece of media have – what feels like something um oh maybe maybe other things but it's it's just 
it, it seems really <laughs> strangely realistic in the fact that it's it's not it's not always a happy ending, you know, and it's not always the good guys win. Um, every step forward is met with two steps back, and that that feels strangely realistic and and kind of not treating us like children in a weird way. So yeah, it will surprise you. I'm I'm keen to hear what you think of it, Chesh. Um, you know, it's. It, it definitely surprised me. I went back and watched the 80s movie as well and was actually just, you know, <laughs> in another like, I was like, oh, my God, like this is actually what happens after the series. It's really sad. So, I hope they make another one but it's a it's a good, I think it's 10 episodes. It might be more but, yeah, definitely just sink into that and, you know, transport to another world. So, yeah. Well, look, by the time we do commit a crunch episode two, I will try to have watched this. Um, I try not so to commit those, to things like that because that's a lot of TV. I mean, whether you- Yeah, well, I mean, look, so for people at home, uh, I have hashtag sponsored uh, five sponsored videos I need to do for Wizards around the Commander decks that just arrived. Oh, so interesting, yeah. I'm going to endeavor to try and watch this so that i can give my feedback because back when the movie originally came out i hated it yeah yeah now i love labyrinth and i feel like it's a a beatles elvis situation uh, (laughs) whereas like i grew up with and loved the beatles and i hated elvis until i was very old and we're talking like within the last 10 years i've gotten back into like re-listening to elvis stuff and like you know uh okay blue suede shoes was kind of good and you know hound dog was pretty amazing and jailhouse rock was holy crap this is the same guy how is he putting out all this great music um but when i was younger i hated all this i didn't i didn't like the rockabilly scene at all uh not that it was called that back then it was just the rock scene but how things Um, have changed yeah uh but so Watching the movie originally, I was like, this is trash. This is kid stuff. I don't like it. Yeah, exactly. Even puppets, lol. This is terrible. Like, it wasn't scary or anything like that. It was just not my scene. Mm. Um, and I probably should go back and watch the movie, but I'm going to watch the series first. Exactly. And, and then put new context to it, essentially. Exactly. So, yeah, I'll say this the is cast gonna be is going to bed thing. The cast is incredible, too. That, I mean, it, you know, that's not well, always look, that you important. You have me at Mark Hamill. Like, you know. What's that? You think you'd have me at Mark Hamill? Oh, totally, totally. Um, it's, it's it's as far as what I can tell, so many people joined on to that to go uh, either they grew up with it or just respect Jim Henson so much that they're like, well, I'll be any part of this essentially and, you know, do it as a passion project. And those kind of projects really, like you can tell when that happens that, that people are mm. on the – they're doing it for the, the reason they absolutely love, you know, like they, they, there's a massive ethos thing about it that it's not just, you know, do a job to be paid. And um, it's funny, I watched a, a thing for, um, it was a reunion from the Lord of the Rings cast the other day on, on YouTube. And that was the type of thing that a lot of these, the actors from, you know, working with Peter Jackson on those three movies say that there's nothing like that they've ever done in their life and there never will be. And they've all got tattoos from it, you know, that kind of thing. And it's just like, it, it comes from well, the top it's, down. It's like if there's a there's a shared vision, really special stuff happens. It's like the Scott Pilgrim thing, right? Like it just came out recently that all of the cast of Scott Pilgrim, 10 years on, still do a reply all to the same email chain. Amazing. You know, like there's, there's just certain things in our lives that are going to stretch out for all of time. Yeah. You know, they're just timeless. And like for me, that's Labyrinth. Um, yeah. You know. Because Labyrinth to me is like that thing that just 
like will never be tarnished like no matter what happens like i just i absolutely love david bowie yeah um and, sure and, he was and that's problematic at one point I'm very like, surprised <laughs> you have that that view of dark crystal initially yet like you can see the essence in i'd say essence essence is a key word in uh, dark crystal is really funny um but you can see the substance in in you know labyrinth whereas labyrinth's the same kind mm. of deal that some people may write it off as childish and that kind of thing but you know and there's there's, prob- there's probably a lot more the goof- there's leads. a lot more goofiness in labyrinth um but, oh yeah there really is but uh yeah i i love it to bits and and it's um I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but I, I keep thinking about. I don't think I'm pretty sure David Bowie was never like particularly proud of the music in it or whatever. But you know, it yeah, doesn't matter. He Love was just it. Like his his whole thing behind it was like, oh, uh, you know, it was fine. Like yeah, I enjoyed exactly. it. Don't get me wrong, but it was fine. Exactly. Like there was a whole thing at one point that came out where he was basically saying that you know he didn't even know if the movie would actually come out. Like because a lot of the time, him him, you know. He was basically directing the musical stuff and the dancing <laughs> like, because they pretty much just gave him free reign because he was like, no, like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. <laughs> I'm David Bowie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, I'll move on. Exactly. Oh, good place to finish it. And, um, yeah, again, like, that gives us a, uh, a segue to kind of bounce into a next topic next time because, I mean, I'm the biggest David Bowie fan and I, um, I there's plenty of David Bowie related media I'd love to talk to you about. I mean, in- including my uh, my sourdough starter that I often, uh, aptly named Mr. Lawrence, you know, um, <laughs> things like that. But it's uh, we'll, we'll kind of – we'll keep that going. But, uh, yeah, for now it's been a, a really positive kind of start and first step to, um, you know, what I hope to, to continue and keep bouncing around topics with you, Chesh. It's been awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm totally not dabbing right now. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dabbing with, <laughs> dabbing with happiness. Love it. Um, so, yeah, where can uh, where can people find us, even though uh, we've kind of got fledgling accounts for all these things? Uh, well, that's a good question. So, I, I guess at the moment you can catch us via our own separate Twitters. Yeah. Bang on. Right. Um, I didn't write those down, <laughs> so I'll read them out. <laughs> so, oh, well, that's okay. I'm at Cheshire Plays on Twitter. Yes, I am at the moment. I've thought about changing this, but I think I'll just leave it at the moment. But pass the jam, Sam. <laughs> uh, and I guess if you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, I, I'm going to assume it's at at under uh, no at cmdr underscore c r u n c h. You so are correct. Crunch. Yes, from which it, Ooh, the accounts I could get cmdr crunch straight up. I've got i.e. Instagram, uh, but mostly we're going to be underscore. Mm-hmm. And if you want to send us any emails, you can get us at cmdrcrunchpodcast at gmail.com. So don't hesitate. Like we'll we'll uh, we'll try, I guess, depending on how many emails we, we receive. If we get one, I'm, I'm, we'll I'm trying mean, to answer better believe I've responded to it and I'm going to read it out. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but other than that, you can find my writing over at puremtgo.com, the sponsors for this podcast, uh, twitch.tv forward slash Cheshire Plays Games for Command of the Distance and youtube.com forward slash Cheshire Plays Games. Love it. All right, guys, we've been uh, Commander Crunch for uh, this amazing week. Uh, We'll talk to you next week, I think. And I hope that you've enjoyed your tasty Commander treats. May all your top decks be good ones. Ciao. Nom, 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 nom. (laughs) 